Welcome to another edition of Great Stories About Great Storytellers. I'm your host, Dr. Randy Overbeck, and I'm also the author of the best-selling and award-winning series, The Haunted Shores Mysteries. For the December edition, I like to feature a famous storyteller who've given us a truly memorable Christmas tale. Last December, I shared the surprising story behind The Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. If you haven't caught that episode, you might want to check it out for another interesting bit of Christmas lore. This time around, I'm featuring an even shorter tale, which has left a major Christmas impression, the short story, The Gift of the Magi by O. Henry. I'm pretty sure you know the story, but if neither the title nor the author seems familiar, let me enlighten you a bit. The Gift of the Magi is a story of newlyweds Della and James who are very much in love, but like many young couples, are also quite poor. Still, they wanted to find that special Christmas gift for their partner. Della didn't have much to her name, $1.87 to be exact, but she had beautiful, long, knee-length brown hair. James, too, possessed very little of value except a gold pocket watch, a family heirloom he treasured. Without saying anything to her husband, Della goes to a wig maker and sells her hair to earn a little money. Faced with similar circumstances, James decides to sell his beloved pocket watch to raise a little Christmas cash himself. Then husband and wife both try to find the perfect gift for each other. She gets him a platinum fob chain for his beloved watch, and he gets her a set of ornamental combs for her gorgeous long hair. Of course, neither Jim nor Della can make use of the new gifts, but both are moved to tears by the love and sacrifice the new gifts symbolize. Ring a bell now? It should. It ranks only behind Dickens' A Christmas Carol as one of the most popular Christmas stories with a literary origin. In other words, not from a Christmas movie. In fact, since it was first published in 1905, this story has been retold, adapted, and reframed too many times to count. First, there have been 19 different movie versions of the story, including productions in France, Russia, Greece, and Bangladesh, as well as a number in the U.S., of course. The Gift of the Magi has also found its way onto stage and the small screen even more often than onto the big screen. These productions include renditions by Mickey Mouse, The Muppets, The Simpsons, and even one on a Saturday Night Live episode. Some of these are serious and straight, others satirical and humorous, but all convey that same message. True love is worth real sacrifice. The short story includes what we have come to expect from Christmas tales. The idea of giving of self during the season, putting others' needs and wants ahead of your own, and that giving is not merely about money, but about love. <laughs> Sounds like the basis for about 100 Hallmark movies, doesn't it? Some critics have called the tale maudlin and sappy, but nearly all concur that the gift of the Magi, in a little over 2,000 words, captures the essence of the Christmas spirit. So it would be natural to expect the author of the tale, this Christmas storyteller, to hold similar personal sentiments. 
What if I told you this famous Christmas tale was actually written by an ex-con and may have been drafted behind bars? After a few words from this episode's sponsor, fellow author Sheila Kell, I'll share the rest of this fascinating story of the storyteller we know as O. Henry. Hello, I'd like to thank Dr. Overbrook for allowing me to sponsor this episode of Great Stories About Great Storytellers. Before I was a romantic suspense storyteller, I devoured literature of all types, finally landing in the romantic suspense category, which somehow encouraged me to write. My debut novel was an Amazon romantic suspense number one bestseller and a reader's favorite award winner. I write in two series, one featuring a family in security and protection and one with PIs. My 14th novel, second in the PI series, releases January 17th. To find out more, please refer to my website, SheilaKell.com. Now, back to the Christmas storyteller, O. Henry. First of all, O. Henry is really William Sidney Porter, 1862 to 1910, though readers only know him as his pseudonym and for good reason. As a young man, he was known for his wit, storytelling, and musical talents. He played several instruments, including the guitar and mandolin, and he sang in the church choir and became a member of the Hill City Quartet, a group of young men who serenaded young women around town. In fact, he may have met his future wife, Ethel Estes, the 17-year-old daughter of a wealthy family, at one of these performances. They fell in love, but her mother did not approve of Porter, so the couple eloped in 1887, and within two years, they had a daughter. That same year, he was hired as a draftsman, working for the Texas state government, drawing maps and surveys. The salary he pulled down was enough to support his small family, but Athol encouraged her husband to write, and he no doubt began crafting stories that he would eventually publish. However, His was a political appointment, and when his benefactor lost an election, Porter lost his job. The same year he started working for First National Bank of Austin, and that's where his problems started. The bank operated informally, and it's not clear whether Porter was merely sloppy or whether he stole money, but funds came up missing. In 1894, he was accused of embezzlement and fired, though not charged. He breathed a sigh of relief, but his close brush with the law would soon turn into a very tight squeeze. He tried a few more jobs writing this time, first with the Rolling Stone magazine. No, not that Rolling Stone magazine, which he started himself, a publication of commentary, satire, and his own short stories. It lasted only a year. There he caught the eye of the of the editor of the Houston Post and he ended up taking a job there, moving his family to Houston. But his freedom freedom proved short-lived. The next year, federal auditors audited the First National Bank and discovered the shortages that had led to his firing. A federal indictment followed, charging him with embezzlement of $854, about $18,000 today. His wealthy father-in-law posted his bail, but when it came time to show up for trial, Porter hopped a train first to New Orleans, then to Honduras, which had no extradition treaty with the U.S. at the time. Porter had planned to have his wife and child join him there, but Athol got sick and couldn't make the trip. 
When his wife's health worsened, Porter returned to Austin in February 1897, even though he knew it meant his eventual imprisonment. Sadly, Ethel died five months later from consumption, which we now know as tuberculosis. Shortly thereafter, he was tried and found guilty of embezzlement and sentenced in 1898 to five years in prison. But all was not lost. Among Porter's skills was training as a licensed pharmacist, and he was able to work as the prison druggist. In fact, it's, it's unlikely he ever had to spend time in the actual cell block. Another positive was he was now had time to write. In fact, he wrote several short stories in prison, which he developed an ingenious way to get them published. Porter would send the stories to a friend in New Orleans who would forward them on to publishers under a pseudonym, of course. Porter used several pseudonyms, but settled on O. Henry after getting his first Christmas story, Whistling Dick's Christmas Stocking, published in McClure's Magazine, December 1898. He was released from prison in 1901 after three years for good behavior. He eventually moved to New York to be close to publishers. While there, he wrote 381 short stories, a story a week, for the New York World Sunday magazine, many of which had their beginnings inside that prison cell. His writings were loved by readers and often panned by the critics. A Gift of the Magi is his most famous and memorable of these, and no doubt his best Christmas gift to us. Porter's, or as I should say, O. Henry's, trial and experiences are evidence that sometimes our darkest times can produce some of our best inspirations. My newest novel, Cruel Lessons, was inspired by one of the most trying professional experiences of my career. A daunting and challenging episode which made me question my commitment to education, but eventually strengthened my resolve and dedication. But these experiences and those personal villains became inspiration for the story and the characters of my new novel. Cruel Lessons is an atmospheric amateur sleuth mystery about a drug dealer pushing a new hallucinogenic drug in a middle school, which results in the death of four fifth graders. The small town is so traumatized by the death they cry for justice, demanding the school work with the police and catch the killer before more kids are poisoned. The novel, which was released in October, has already run its, won its first award, the Gold Award from Literary Titan. You can check out my newest work at my website, www.authorrandyoverbeck.com. There you can also get any of the earlier episodes of this podcast as well. Speaking of which, you're not going to want to miss the next episode of Great Stories About Great Storytellers, where I reveal the interesting backstory of the great fantasy writer J.R.R. Tolkien. Lord of the Rings, anyone? Until then, happy holidays. Keep reading those great stories, and I hope at least one of them is mine. <laughs>